Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to another episode of the Beat Orm Podcast. I am your co-host, Don the Piz Elver, joined as always by Justin Jericho Turner. And we are two college roommates getting together a couple decades later to talk about life, business, media, entertainment, and everything in between. Let's go. Justin, welcome back. Yes, sir. Welcome back, brother. Let's do Cheers. this. Cheers. Cheers. Cling. I see you brought your goblet back once again. Yes, sir. Listen, I, I went a little light-skinned today. Got a little <laughs> light-skinned. A little light-skinned today. That one is, that, that, that one's, it's, it's still, it's still, it's still fairly dark brown, but it's got a little more translucentness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. that's a word. <laughs> What are you working uh, on this time? This is uh, also Founders Fruitwood Cherry Ale aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Okay. Aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Yeah, man. Sounds like you could lick the side of the barrel and just just go in on the strength. <laughs> it's good, though. It's very Be good. Be in heaven. <laughs> what's funny about that what's real funny about that is somehow some way of all the things we could have brought to drink today i too am working on something maple syrup based oh yeah <laughs> look at that synergy synergy yeah. I, I made myself a new i i wanted to try something out, out new today so i took my favorite tea which is this harney and sons black tea Hot, uh, hot cinnamon spice flavored black tea. So it's got cinnamon, uh, clove, some spices, and orange peel in all mixed up in the tea. But then I took that tea and I spiked it with some maple cream liqueur from Quebec that my cousin and business partner in my in the Haitian Pequis business uh, brought for me when we were working all last week or the week before. And I spiked my tea with that and then hit it off with the dash of some organic ground cinnamon on top. And boom. Let's go. Ready to go. I like that, man. It's good. <laughs> Let's uh, tell the people a little bit about what Peakley's is. Because, I mean, you and I know it's delicious. But for the people that are, for the uninitiated, we need, we need to give them a little information. Oh, well, Peakley's is what Haitians use the way other people use hot sauce. Haitian people don't need hot sauce because Haitian people have peaklees. I like to affectionately call it the not sauce hot sauce because it's kind of a hybrid between hot sauce and coleslaw to an extent. But it's slaw because it's got vegetables like cabbage and shredded cabbage and carrots and other vegetables and spices. But marinated in vinegar with a special blend of hot peppers. And, you know, everybody's got their Peakley's recipe, but the magical thing about Peakley's is it tastes great on everything and it makes everything taste. It enhances flavor, in my opinion, rather than adding additional flavor or 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 kind of overrunning the flavor of your food. And it also gives it a nice little crunch and you can use the slaw or the sauce. So if you put down like tacos or burgers or whatever, rather than a hot sauce, you can add like a little vegetable slaw. 
that gives it this nice, pleasant heat. So, yes, sir. As an advocate, like hot sauce tends to dominate the dish, whereas I feel like Peakley's is more of a complimentary um, condiment, right? Like it, it, like it enhances yeah. rather than 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 dominates. So that's that's why I love it, and yeah. I put that shit on everything. Wait, I think there's already a product that has that yeah tagline. Yeah, but we're not gonna talk about that. Not <laughs> not gonna use that tagline. But anyway, not here to even public to to even promote my business. We're here to get at it, B-Dorm style. So, first thing that I that's on my mind. It was recently International Women's Day. Yes. Right? And in recognition of that, you and I wanted to talk about an issue that we found ourselves debating with each other in relation to the thin line between misogyny and appreciation. Yes. That's the best way I can succinctly wrap up our our very lengthy text the chain of back and forth one day. Uh, the reason we were having that text chain is that as podcast co-hosts and who have a brand, a joint brand together now, you and I, despite the fact that we're great friends and are, have many similarities, as we've said on the podcast before, we have very different thoughts and opinions and philosophies on things. So mm-hmm. specifically, uh, what got us into that conversation was you had shared something on our Instagram page a couple of weeks ago um, that I had I personally didn't have a problem with, but it was a photograph and repost, I believe, of a woman doing cosplay dressed as Cami from Street Fighter. And she was what most people, I think, would define as scantily clad, to say the least. Sure, sure. Right. Um, so I came to you concerned that people might see that coming from two men like us and people who are just getting to know us um, might see that and label us as misogynists who are perpetuating the objectification of women for the purpose of getting clicks and likes. Mm-hmm. And that's not what neither you nor I want to put want to put out there or want people to perceive of the two of us. However. When I came to you with that, you had a very different take, and I found your opinion very valuable, and I thought about your opinion about it after we spoke, and I started realizing that you're a man who's dedicated your life to both fashion and freedom of expression, and this is the the path that you walk on a daily basis, um, having chosen that as your passions, both professionally and personally. So. I thought it would be a great thing for us to bring to the B-Dorm common room, as we like to talk about it, say, as we like to refer to it, and discuss it. And I want to understand even more about how you go about drawing that line and what was your take uh, on that and how do you think that type of post should be taken by people? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was, <laughs> you know, we talked about how, like, if it wasn't, a female character. Like, I'll, I'll take the same video game, Street Fighter. For those of you who don't know what it is, Google it. It's it's an old-school fighter game. It's they, they just made a new version, so it's not completely outdated for folks like us who grew up on it. Um, 
There's a character called Zangief, who is a Russian character, <laughs> all right? Um, my man is wearing, uh, like, tight red Speedos and nothing else, right? And boots, excuse me. He's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a tight red Speedo and some boots. Um, so it's completely bare-chested, legs out, you know, cod piece poking out, completely objectified, right? <laughs> and so the, the conversation that we had was just about how, all right, if it wasn't a female cosplayer, if it was a male cosplayer, would we have even been having a discussion about it? Like, would it have even been an issue? Um, in that conversation, I use the character of Superman, which is the one that most people are most familiar with. Superman walks around basically naked, right? He's wearing like tights and underwear. Um, so going full circle on that, you know, you and I went back and forth. We both understand that we live in a society that has traditionally objectified women. Um, but it's important to realize this, char- this person who posted this originally, she's a cosplayer. And the anime has always, in, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, had scantily clad characters. And if you wear anything from you know, anime, you're probably going to be scantily clad. So this is something that she does in order to pay her bills. She pays money for her own costumes you know, does her own makeup, does her own hair, shoots her own photos. It's very entrepreneurial. And for us to then say, all right, why is she posting it? She's posting it because she knows that people will enjoy it. And then she has a pay service where people can then pay her to see more cosplay. So she's advertising herself and saying, hey, if you want to see more, then you can pay and you can see more. You know, it's the same thing we do on Patreon, right? So mm-hmm. it's like if you are a consumer of cosplay, when you see the character, your immediate reaction isn't going to be she's scantily clad. It's going to be, oh, she looks like Cammy. If you're not in the cosplay, then your immediate reaction is going to be, oh, she's scantily clad, which is the same thing that a lot of um, comic books and cartoons uh, dealt with when they were coming through uh, to the public. A lot of uh, outrage in the early days of many of these characters uh, from really? I didn't realize you know, that. Christ- Christian groups who had the same commentary. Um, a lot of it came out, obviously, when the Wonder Woman character was created and they started showing all of these Amazons who were, you know, all objectively perfect you know tall long but also muscular and you know wearing next to nothing you know we'll call it metal bikinis like that's what (laughs) that's the way to describe it right um so i think that it's like for me as a creator as someone who uh works in fashion who is constantly towing the line between um all right, how much do we show versus how much do we not show on social media for clicks, which is what social media is for. You know, it, it, we want to have an honest conversation about why do you post things? I mean, you post things because you want people to pay attention to you. And 
you know, for us, in, in for lack of a better way to put it, we were using her work in order to advertise our pod, right? So that's it's very clear. That's mm. that's what I was doing. At the same time, that's additional publicity for her, who is also attempting to have more publicity so that she can sell more subscriptions, so that she can make more money to pay for more costumes and her school and whatever else she's paying for. So I'm not harming her, right? We're helping her, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way to put it. And for those who don't understand that it's cosplay and react immediately to the fact that she's scandally clad, it's a small percentage of people because those are the people who aren't really paying attention to the fact that we're posting it about, that we're posting cosplay, right? So I don't necessarily think that it's inappropriate. Well, clearly, I don't think it's inappropriate. But I think that we as a society probably have to mellow out a little bit and accept what the artist believes is appropriate. And she clearly feels like her work is appropriate enough to post on the internet. Um, And Instagram is very good about flagging things that are inappropriate. So clearly the, the Instagram algorithm found it to be appropriate enough to put it on the uh, explore page, which is why we got so much traction. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, to make a long story short, I think, we, we have to pay attention to these things as, as male co-hosts. Um, and it's important that we had the conversation that we had. Um, I just want to be clear that my position on this is that as a society, we are probably a little bit too uptight. Um, and I know that you have a different take on it. So, and I, I appreciated the back and forth that we had. And I'm glad we're able to have those conversations because like you said, those are the conversations that need to be had. And the reason I thought, um, it was a great idea, your idea, in fact, for us to at one point just shut down the conversation we were having so that we could actually complete that conversation here on the pod is because the more I thought about it, I was thinking, okay, if as business partners, we are essentially having a discussion that a lot of small companies, large companies, individual freelancers are having when it comes to brand management in the modern world about cancel culture because it's really what it comes down to right because the fear um or paran i don't know fear paranoia or reasonable concern depending on which way you look at it that i was bringing to the table is rooted in not my lack of understanding what you were doing not my lack of understanding about what was uh about cosplay because again i love comic books i love cosplay but um I also recognize that a lot of people are caught off guard when it's something that they don't recognize, but that didn't got my, my wheels churning about cancel culture in general. Right. Um, because at times we, um, to not be hypocritical, we have both certainly at different times seen things that other people have posted that we might've thought was racially insensitive or towards the black community or, or some other insensitivity towards something of ours. So it really then becomes a question to me of at what point, does your understanding of an individual and your intent behind what you are putting out there and using your freedom of expression to do, um, does that 
have to get or does it get contradicted, I guess, by the level of concern that you should have for those who may be triggered by it, especially when that triggering may be due to a result of lack of familiarity with what you're actually talking about or the the or or referencing in what you're putting out there yeah it's a it's a complicated issue um you know we we live in a society where we have to really embrace the fact that you know sex sells and sex appeal sells and i don't i don't hide from it because i understand that there's a certain amount of energy that exists from a marketing standpoint that can be taken advantage of by anyone if employed the right way. And we just have to, you know, operate with a sense of sensitivity. And it's it's the same Hmm. kind of advice we would give to any brand that was trying to, you know, um, appeal to, to the black community. We would say, do it, be careful. And when you do it, Make sure that you're having good conversations about the content and how it's being received, because that will keep you safe. It will keep you honest, but it will keep you safe. Um, And I use the word safe here, implying that there may be people who will have slings and arrows out for you, regardless of how careful you are. But if you are operating with a sense of care the people who really matter are going to pay attention to the fact that you're operating with a sense of care. And that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that our audience understands that we are operating with that kind of um, consciousness so that Mm -hmm. when we make these kinds of decisions, people won't jump to conclusions because they'll understand who we are as hosts. Um, I appreciate that take. And I actually appreciate something that you said Um, just a few minutes ago that you didn't mention when we were having this uh, discussion via text and phone earlier in the week that actually just enlightened me a little further into, and and even um, I think is, is modifying my opinion a bit on this even more, which is that in this instance, it wasn't you deciding that you were going to create content and just hire someone and tell dictate to them how you want them to dress uh, as a man you're you weren't a man telling a woman we want to take photos of you dress this way and we're going to use that you were actually taking something that was created by someone of that demographic to which you don't belong to for to which they benefit from your utilization of of it or your your helping share of it to promote it um and showing your appreciation for it. And so I think, I don't know, I haven't had enough time to think about whether this is a defining line or some rule that you apply. Most, most, most things don't work that way. As we've talked about, most things kind of fall in the middle shade of gray of life. Right. Yes, but I do think, I do think that at least from a formulaic standpoint, um, us having that discussion made me realize that if I'm a brand manager, if I'm a marketer, one of the ways, one of the first things I would think about in when I'm when I'm going to teeter the line of getting involved in trying to appeal to a demographics or use freedom of expression that might uh, be taken the wrong way by some but appreciated by many is that make sure that what you are doing is created by 
people who are part of the demographic that you are looking to attract or um, part of the culture that you may be trying to embrace um, and make sure that those individuals and that culture and that demographic are also benefiting from it in some way. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. people are going to, people are still going to find a reason to hate, be mad, get aggravated, be triggered. What's what so have you, but at least if you've done those things, you know, that you are doing it. I get, it's like you said, you're coming, you're coming from a, a point of, of, of genuine intent and goodwill in what you're doing. Right. So we named our pod beat on because we appreciate the diversity of our college room group, right? We've talked about that before and the extended social circle that it, that gave us exposure to a wide, diverse group of people. Um, with that exposure comes opportunities to participate in activities that you aren't necessarily inclined to participate in on your own. Um, some which you never choose to participate in, like when we talked about outdoors camping and stuff like that, that I still need to 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 get off my bucket list. Um, and also gives you the opportunity to expose those people in your group to opportunities that they have never chosen to participate in to educate your friends on activities that are for, activities that are foreign to them. Right. So with that being said, just I got two words for you. Do rags. And golf. <laughs> okay. That's right. Am I do-rags am I, and golf? <laughs> am I rocking the do-rag while I play golf? <laughs> you know, I, I wonder how many things. times I wonder how many times there's been occurrences of someone rocking a do-rag while playing golf. Well, first off, let me ask you something. Have you ever played golf before? I, I've never golfed in life. Um, okay. It, people will say, how could you have not played golf? You went to Andover. You went to Amherst. You know mm -hmm. golf is all around you, which is factual. But uh, I, just, I just, I never played it. Never got down with it. Not to mention you're, you like, you actually appreciate to an extended level, more sports, a wider array of sports than anyone I know. Like you love, you love soccer, you love uh, hockey, you love baseball, you love basketball, you love football. Like you're, you're a guy who loves sports, but you have not taken a golf as of yet or given it much of a chance, but I digress. Do rags and golf. The reason I mentioned these two things in conjunction with each other is not because I think more people need to start wearing do rags when they play golf, but because I was thinking about these two things and came to realize that there are two activities that I believe are among the most functionally misunderstood by people who have never participated in them while simultaneously being used by many people to emphasize affiliation with a specific culture as a result of that misunderstanding. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. So first off, and um, I got into a conversation with a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, who happens to be a white guy who has had a wide array of friends, wide array of 
friends of all types of ethnicities, ethnicities throughout his life. And when I, when I mentioned to him my theory about do-rags and golf, first thing I said to him is, um, first of all, the reason I refer to do-rag as an activity is because if you're not familiar with a do-rag, you don't understand that a do-rag is like the icing on the, the cake after you've gone through a whole lot of work for whatever it is that you're using the do-rag to protect, right? <laughs> but the do-rag is, is considered by people who have never used one <clears throat> to represent toughness, urban lifestyle, hip-hop, etc. And I'm not saying it gangsterness, whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying that it doesn't represent those things to an extent, but what I am saying is for those who don't understand what a do-rag is, in my opinion, uh, as someone who's worn one many a time in my past, that a do-rag is the most misunderstood cosmetic device of all time. If you see um, if you if you see if you see a man wearing a do rag, there's a couple of things that I automatically know about that person without having spoken to them at all. A couple of things I know is that person, under whatever tough exterior may be present, that person really cares about their hair. Really cares about their hair, and is has a level of sensitivity. And concern about that and also intends to be highly fashionable and look pretty either later right. that evening or later in the week. And hence, that is why they're wearing the do-rag. And when I talked to my friend about this, he had no idea that that's why people wear do-rags. And I'm re- I came to, that's what got me realizing, wow, and a lot of people don't know this. And it's a friend of mine who happens to like golf a lot. Now, let me get on to golf and then I'll let you chime in on all of this got you on golf since i have golfed (laughs) golf people i think people see golf on tv it's represented as a sport it's represented as a sport where people are supposed to be fairly quiet and respectful and you're supposed to you know wear these follow all these proper rules and guidelines and have manners (laughs) etc When you have when you when you have a group of friends who kind of bring you into this golfing thing, this golf network, you come to realize, wait a minute, when you first go out to golf, like the people who play it non-professionally are fully aware that this is not an athletic activity. <laughs> um, what golf is, is for lack of better description, it is a block party on wheels. Right. <laughs> It involves drinks. It involves uh, food. It involves a lot of socialization, a lot of discussing about business. It involves a lot of gambling, right? Golf, the, the hitting of the ball, the getting out of your cart, the hitting of the ball is a, a part of the golf experience. But golf is an excuse to get out, hang out with a group of friends, and shoot the shit, enjoy yourself, and roll around in a cart having fun for hours. So, <laughs> do you think, am I crazy? Am I just crazy? Or what do you think of my juxtaposition of do-rags and golf? I think it's, I think it's brilliant. 
I think it's I think it's fucking brilliant, actually, because, you know, being a, a preppy black dude, people probably assume I play golf by now. Um, but being a black dude and grow up with a lot of exposure to golf. Neither did you, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I <laughs> had I had an opinion of what golf was. My opinion has changed over time, but and I, I'll use the, the comparison of uh, when I first left home and ended up at boarding school and the first cats that tried to play like uh, rock music for me, right? Mm-hmm. Grow up in the hood, you don't listen to any rock music um, unless you're, you're enlightened. Like I, I, I can't recall ever hearing, you know, Green Day when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yep. Got to high school, and yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, listen, the, the primary consumers of hip-hop are, are suburban white kids, so I want to be real clear about that. There was plenty of hip-hop, right? But they also were listening to a lot of music I never had any exposure to, and I had prejudged what that music meant about my blackness, right? If I start listening to this, then I'm going to be considered less black. Kind of had the same reaction toward golf, right? Because, I mean, we know Tiger played golf. I don't know any other black people that ever played golf professionally. I mean, I could be wrong about that. I'm sure I am. But, um, you know, Vijay Singh, he's dark, but he ain't black. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, like, I... Uh, my aversion to golf comes from that. It comes from this, like, this fear of, um, I guess, like you said, like being unfairly misunderstood uh, culturally. And then hmm. the do-rag situation, again, like I said, I think is brilliant. I obviously am a, am a hair, you know, I'm, I'm a hair connoisseur. I've been growing this since 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put a lot of effort into trying to be pretty at times and I don't shy away from it, but I think that it's, it's key to mention <laughs> that a lot of these so-called, you know, hardcore thugs is like, they're really just covering up their waves, like, <laughs> yeah. or their cornrows to keep them tight. Cause when I had rows. Keeping a cornrows tight is the is keeping your cornrows fresh is one of the hardest things to pull off. And so, like people, I I think that it's great. Like if you want to understand the other side of the fence on on either of these issues, it all goes back to the same thing you and I always talk about. You gotta have open conversations with people who do not live the same experience you do. And for those of you who like. You know, you probably don't because you listen to the Beat On podcast. But for people who you know who aren't listening, who live in their little bubbles, and all they do is surround themselves with ideas that they already agree with, it's a good way to misunderstand people. It's a good way to misunderstand intention. And golf as a sport is exactly as it appears to be in the sense that it isn't like athletically taxing unless you're a professional. I don't want to sleep on the pros. Like they put in a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but 
as a social gathering, is it welcoming to everyone? Um, not yet as a sport, right? Uh, like there's, there are several country clubs in this country who still have trouble with diversity. Um, and the same can be said for do-rags. I can certainly say that if I see a white teenage kid wearing a do-rag, I am unfairly judging that kid. I look at that kid and I'm like, why are you trying to, you know, acculturate by rocking a do-rag when you don't really understand what it's for? Because they're not protecting their hair when they're wearing it. Aside from the few, I mean, there are some white kids that have cornrows too, but like generally speaking, they're wearing it for fashion because they think it makes them look tough. And that is not the reason why we wear it. So oftentimes misunderstanding comes from just not opening yourself up to the opportunity that you might be wrong about how you're judging a thing. On the flip side too, you didn't, while you talked about if, uh, you know, someone uh, uh, like a white kid were rocking a do-rag, what about a um, not not every time that someone goes to play golf, do they have it with the intention of just going out for the celebration? Like I was saying, like some people clearly like to do the golf thing because, yeah, it takes money. Um, it comes along with a certain uh, cachet that it or, or that it, that it seems to to give people when you, you know, you strut off with your golf clubs and you say, I'm going with my buddies to play golf today. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of people. I, I mean, I, I find, I find it interesting that you see a lot of the, a lot of athletes that came from who at, at the very least put, seem to put, give the perception that they, that they came from, you know, very urban backgrounds, very poor urban backgrounds. And then, and then as they elevate, they all are constantly taking on this persona of I'm a, I'm a fantastic golfer. Right. Like, right. Right. And like, not, not, and it, and it doesn't always come across it. Yeah. Not, Charles, but like it, <laughs> but it, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not making an accusation that it's all the time, but you know, the difference between some, when you see like some people clearly doing that for their brand, their brand, mm-hmm. their own, the, what they think is going to elevate their brand to whatever it is they're aspiring to, whether it's on one end of the spectrum with the golf or the other, another end. I'm not saying they're even opposite ends of the spectrum, but just, you know, one issue with the golf, one issue with the do-rag. Right. So in any case, I don't know why I sit around on my couch thinking about do-rags and golf by myself, but you know, such is my brain. There was another conversation that came up this time, not just between you and me, but um, this was on our uh, our group chat with all of our B-Dorm and some B-Dorm extended crew that we have. Um, that, once again, was one of the inspirations for the pod because we realized that a lot of the conversations we have are the types of conversations that people should be having in the world together, but that people don't seem to want to cross the barriers of keeping it real with each other to have, right? Um, so we all got really into a conversation about what's going on with Ryan Coogler uh, or what occurred with Ryan Coogler 
recently in the media. And since you're much more eloquent and succinct than I am, why don't you go ahead and and explain to folks what exactly occurred in this Ryan Coogler situation? Yeah, for the for those who don't know, um, Ryan Coogler is the the acclaimed director of the Black Panther movie, um, among other things, and he uh, approached a Bank of America with his drivers, got out, went inside, went to talk to the teller, but didn't want to make a scene because he was taking out a lot of money. So he had a handwritten note, handed it to the teller and said, can you take out 12K from my account? Please do it discreetly. And handed her his ID and his Bank of America card, right? So like a typical customer. Now, the teller decides to go to the bank manager because in my, what my understanding is the withdrawal limit is 10K at this particular bank and he was asking for 12. So that's, that's the point of dispute here. So that, it went from that to the director of Black Panther being handcuffed while they verified his identity. They also handcuffed his drivers who were outside, who were also confirming his identity, saying, we drove Brian Coogler here. He's inside the bank. Um, and so our conversation was about whose fault is it? <laughs> somebody needs to get a finger pointed at him in this situation. And I think we came to a consensus that it's everybody's fault. Um, everybody, everybody, every, everybody did, did something wrong uh, in a wide variety of what falls in the framework of wrong. <laughs> so right. go ahead. Yeah, so go let's, ahead. let's start, let's start with Brian Coogler. All right. Yeah. You, you, you directed a Marvel movie. You're, you're supposedly famous, but you're not famous. Okay. Like you could walk down the street and people wouldn't recognize you, bro. Right. That's actually a good thing to a certain extent. Not a great thing in this circumstance. On top of that, you were wearing a mask and you were wearing dark sunglasses. Now we understand why you're wearing a mask. It's pandemic. We get it. I go into banks and wear dark sunglasses. I wear sunglasses at night. I wear sunglasses all the time. I'm not going to judge this man for wearing sunglasses. But if you're a black man walking into a bank, handing the teller a note asking for money, you might want to take the glasses off, bro. You might want to at least pull the mask down like we have to when we get on a plane to show your identity, right? So. Let that let that sit for a minute. <laughs> we'll let that sit Fair. for a minute. Now we have the teller who, instead of asking him to pull the mask down, right, to check the ID against his face, which is what they do at the airport, right, before you get through TSA. Yeah. She decides to overreact. Um This overreaction then leads to the police coming to this branch and doing what police are supposed to do. So 
in my opinion, the people who have the least amount of responsibility here are the police. But they didn't do a great job either because there was a story uh, report that one cop was real like happy with his gun. Like, why are you pulling your gun out in a non-threatening situation? That's that's the element of this story where I feel like even the cops are racially profiling here, right? But the moral of the story is bringing it full circle. Everybody in this situation fucked up. So if you're out there in the Twitter sphere or wherever you are, and you're trying to make it a racial issue, right? The the teller was black. Okay. So that's not an issue. Um, Ryan Coogler bears some responsibility here. So, and you and I were, were big on this. Everybody has to be accountable. Everybody has to be accountable. There is no situation where if you do something wrong and someone else does something more wrong, that your wrong is then eliminated. So, mm-hmm. and we, we've talked about this many times. As black men, there's a certain amount of, we always have to remember that we're black men, wherever we go and whatever we do, um, that I feel like Ryan Coogler forgot at that moment. He forgot he was a black dude at that moment. Because if he thought about that, mm-hmm. he probably would have realized this is this probably feels intimidating for this person, right? So, mm-hmm. with that having been said, I feel like as a community, um, when things like this happen, can we please just take a minute to analyze the entire situation before we start, uh, you know, roasting people online and 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 broadcasting all of our our darkest uh, reactions. Because oftentimes that makes situations worse. And when people are no longer talking to each other because things are so divided, we can't solve situations like this. Um, And, you know, regardless of fame, regardless of fortune, if you're in America and you're a black male, you still have to carry yourself a certain way. It's unfortunate. But it's, it's the same conversation that we often have sometimes about how women are expected to act a certain way because men can't be trusted in certain circumstances, so women have to adjust their behavior. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality of, of the world that we live in. So this scenario reminded me of two things that in my life that have one that occurred to me directly and one that I saw in the news that really got me fired up and angry. Right. One was the, uh, remember a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was actually during the pandemic when the, um, there was that woman in, uh, I believe it was central park or another park in the, in the, in the New York city area who, uh, called the cops on a guy who was bird watching. Uh huh. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was, and he was actually the one in the wrong. I mean, sorry, she was the one in the wrong because, like, he had just called her out. I think on like uh, not having her dog in the area. We're not supposed to have dogs because he's like uh, he actually is concerned about doing the right thing in the right. in the area because he's yeah. he's a bird watcher and a naturist, right? I remember that story. Yeah. Um, but but in any case, because people spend a lot of time talking about the issues with the police and how to fix issues with between the community and the police and this and that. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be a priority, but I am saying that 
we also need to really, really, really take a serious look at people getting the police involved when the police don't need to be involved in the first place. Right. Right. And in my opinion, we really need to start having some harsh, more harsh punishment for getting the police involved when it's not necessary because a, you are then putting them in the line of danger to both the, the, to, to doing something to other individuals or, and potentially doing something that could ruin their life and career, right? If they react in the wrong way. And a lot of the time they're coming in with a certain level of energy that they're bringing to the circumstance because they've been potentially misled to have a heightened level of concern. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Let's also two, mention it's a tremendous waste of public resource. Exactly. I was getting to that too. But like that's our tax money. <laughs> Why are you abusing everybody's tax money for stupid stuff? Like, unless there's a, 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 a threat <laughs> and in the Ryan Coogler situation, like there was, there, there was no visible threat. The only threat was somebody who has an ID, has a bank card, has the pin and is requesting money. Now, again, going back to Ryan Coogler, why are you going into a bank, writing a handwritten note on something like, <laughs> like and handing it to a teller? <laughs> like, like, that is that is seemingly odd behavior, but that doesn't excuse the level of escalation to the police. How's that? Your first response is to call the police. Now, the reason I bring that up is because, again, another something that's happened to me in, in the past. Some of my friends have heard me talk about this before. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, JT. So, um, you know that I chose to live for most of my adult life right by my office, right? which means that I ended up living in not a very diverse area of New York City. Um, not a lot of black men li- lived around around my neighborhood, uh, but I like to be able to roll out of bed and walk to the office and walk home, right? So um, I made a business decision. However, I made the unfortunate mistake of, of, of leaving home once and forgetting my the fact that I was a black man in my neighborhood because my uh, I had to go on a business trip the next day I was flying out internationally and the, I was doing some last minute laundry uh, like late at night before I was heading out for the trip and the dryer broke down in my building. Um, and there were all the dryers were broken, which was an annoying problem that happened a couple of times. Right. Well, I don't live there anymore <laughs> amongst the many reasons I don't live there anymore, <laughs> but um, I had, I had washed my clothes. So I just threw on, Without thinking about it, threw on the first raggedy cargo shorts I could find, raggedy t-shirt I could find because I'm doing laundry, right? I, I don't have all my good stuff clean. <laughs> so I, uh, and then threw on some old beat up high tops, grabbed my my wet clothes and ran, ran down the block and just around the corner to the laundromat. I go in there, put my stuff in the dryer. Um, yeah, you know. Everything is, is is fine. I'm relieved. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be able to get my clothes dry. But there's not. But the the washing. I was worried that they were they were gonna close. But I had just enough time to to dry my stuff and have maybe like ten minutes to spare. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner or manager of the laundromat, however, after he sees me put all my stuff in the dryer and get the dryer started, comes over and starts yelling at me and pointing to a sign that I had missed about uh, that they have a rule that you can't dry your clothes without um, first putting them in the washer, 
Now, the reason they have that rule is because they apparently had had issues in the past and didn't want people who coming in and putting dirty clothes in just to freshen them up, um, which primarily, you know, unfortunately would be was usually either homeless people or people who were struggling. And that was their way of preventing those people from just putting dirty clothes in there and functifying their dryers. Right. I, however, clearly was not doing that. I also said I offered to pay double or triple of the dollar twenty five that it would cost to wash my clothes and give it to him straight up cash and not put it in the machine and just allow me to dry my wet clothes. This guy, however, went on to throw all the racial slurs at me, tell me you people this, you people that about how we people do things and blah, 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 and call the police on me. Uh, for doing my laundry. And that's when I realized, looked down and realized what I was wearing and said, oh, damn. <laughs> I made the mistake of leaving the house looking comfortable as a black man in my neighborhood. And that's kind of un- unacceptable if I don't want to be received a certain way. So I feel for Ryan Coogler. <laughs> unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But that's the reality, man. unfortunate but we live in a world where and it's gotten worse over the past six years we're not going to talk about why but we have we have gone down this path where people now seem to feel almost like entitled to uh broadcast their ignorance and hate like mm-hmm. the, uh, I, I often use the, the comparison of termites. Like they, they were always there, right? Eating away at the foundation mm-hmm. of our democracy and our freedoms. But now we can see them and they're like declaring themselves um, and just making our entire world uh, less comfortable. So I'm sorry you had to deal with that, bro. I'm sorry Brian Kugler had to deal with that. Um, I got stories for days about being racially profiled by cops and uh, it's just, you know, it, <laughs> it's, I've gone out with you and seen how, how, how much harder you get profiled for having dreadlocks than I do. Right. So it's, it, you know, for those of you that don't understand, we have to exist um, always occupying this standard of of behavior of of appearance and it's a pressure that the the ruling class never has to experience and if i can uh you know use a a a, a teaching method here if you never have to experience a certain kind of pressure then you don't understand the exhaustion that comes from experiencing that pressure. And that exhaustion translates itself into a lot of different things based on the person that you're dealing with. It can be outright rage. It can be anger. It can be complete and utter dissatisfaction or dissociation. It can also be complete apathy, which is what happens a lot in our community. We spend so much energy trying to be um, perfect black that we forget about all the other things that we're supposed to be doing in order to participate in our democracy. 
which is why we have such a, a low voter turnout rate, which is why a lot of other issues um, arise from this same concept, which is being black and for us being black males in this country carries a lot of weight. And if you're not carrying that weight, you can't understand the exhaustion that comes from it. You can't. You can't empathize. And we don't bring, we don't bring that up to make it a woe is me, woe is us type of thing. We're just trying to enlighten folks who don't live that existence to understand what somebody what somebody else's reality is. Um, and there's one other thing I wanted to actually tell you about that story to, to really wrap it up, though, because for the reason that we, you, we were also saying that there were some actions that Ryan Coogler, rather than say he made mistakes, let's just say that he could have take, made alternate decisions that would have likely resulted in slightly better outcomes for himself, right? Okay. In the situation. Um, but you know what I did in my situation after they called the cops on me at this laundromat? for being black and washing my clothes is <laughs> I, um, when I realized what was happening, um, and realized the absurdity and, and in fairness, some other people that were there came over to me and were like, apologize because they couldn't believe this was going down. Right. Um, I said, okay, feel free to go ahead and call the police. I'm going to go, I'm going to go home, but I'll be back in time for when the police are here. I went home, went and grabbed a book, came back, sat down, with a book open in the most unthreatening intellectual seeming position that I could possibly have at a laundromat so that when the police rolled up, they were utterly confused because I could have been ranting, raving, angry, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not trying to say that it is people's fault when they are mad, when these things arise, I'm not trying to, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that at all because there's too many times that in these situations we hear people talk about, well, well, if that, if they had just been more calm, if they had reacted such and such, yada, yada, no, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that if you can find the wherewithal to keep it in and to go even far in the opposite direction, there can be some benefit for you in that scenario because my scenario, as you can imagine, could have gone all types of sideways, but the police were very confused then as to why I, they had been called in and what I had done. They still asked me to finish what my laundry and, and please leave after that, which was kind of weird and awkward, but I said, sure, no problem. But you know, and that's where we left it. I washed my hands of the situation, never went back to the laundromat. Moral of the story. Um, Move into an apartment where you have a washer and dryer um, inside. All right, everybody. <laughs> Since we were talking about the cosplay and the cami uh, uh, Street Fighter character, um, got me thinking. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> We back at the B-Dorm witching hours. Anybody who listened to the last episode knows what that means. Yeah, you know where we are on our drinks, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. So, if we find ourselves in a zombie apocalypse, and I know you think I'm obsessed with these apocalyptic situations, but you you you've lived the last 5 years of life on this planet right like it's so so so, so it's not far out to, to to start considering a zombie apocalypse cuz all it seems like every day a new sci-fi movie 
is 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 becoming the plot of reality, right? My man, I'm <laughs> the one who has a katana sword in his living room, so I'm ready. I'm <laughs> that's, ready. Well, that's right. I forgot about that. All right. <laughs> so if, if we going into we're going into a zombie apocalypse, Walking Dead style, right? Okay. Tell me, out of all the video games you've played, and I know you've 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 you're a connoisseur of video games. What is <laughs> who would be your number one, your ace that you would have by your side to maximize your survival and comfort in a zombie apocalypse? If you could bring any video game character to life with you. Oh my goodness! Oh man. This is a huge, huge question. And I only get one, right? You get one. One, vi- one video game character. <laughs> you bring them to life. You make them reality. Who are you bringing with you into the zombie apocalypse? Mm, man, this is, this is, see, it, it would be easy to, because like, we were talking about Street Fighter, it'd be easy to go with like a fighting character, right? But that wouldn't make for a, a funny story. So should I should I should I should I go with like a like a Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> Sonic would be dope. He turns into a little ball, bowls through all the zombies. You know what I'm saying? Knocks, you know, get some coins out their heads, because you know, every time you hit something, it's a coin, right? And um you know, so we'll, we'll have we'll have money <laughs> to exchange for goods and services. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! How how is how is Sonic? Cause, all right, because if he knocks the zombies over, if he's rolling around knocking them over, popping coins up. But you know that you, to kill zombies, like the they're just getting back up. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. They're just popping right back up. It's not. I guess Sonic isn't violent enough. So I, I need to. And first of all, wait a minute, violent. wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we got to figure out. Um, first of all, uh, I guess are we dealing with those? Are we get dealing with slow walkers? Or are we dealing with them? Um, I am legend, uh, like fast, speedy, oh, <laughs> run at you with Z. adrenaline in their body. Uh, World War Z t- style zombies. Yeah, I think we got to go with the we got to go with the with the slow walkers, man. Because yeah, the 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 mother zombies. I, I would, I would, I'll, I'll take Zangief. <laughs> <laughs> you used to do that. You're the only person I ever met. <laughs> You're the only person I ever met. I feel like, I feel like because you spent so much of your uh, young life being considered this big, strong brother that you, you insist <laughs> on always picking. The the giant brutish slow <laughs> characters in the fighting game. This is facts, folks. For the, for those who don't know, this is this is a fact. I listen. I won tournaments with that character, bro. I just I we have we have an affinity. I you know people think he's slow because he is, but it just requires precise timing. Timing plus <laughs> there is one Zangief has that one move. Where he spins and like everything goes through him, he's like invincible. So I'll take that. Plus those fists, those will blow up zombie heads. So I'm 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 good. I'm good with that choice. I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Um, my pick is very simple on this one. I think. Um, 
and you know, I'm a creature of logic and I am going with scorpion. Okay. Um, the reason I'm going with scorpion is because scorpion is already dead. (laughs) (laughs) So there is nothing any of these zombies can do to scorpion that hasn't already happened to scorpion. So scorpion is basically a, a, a walking fiery fast zombie with a spear that he'll just be, he'll just continuously keep get over hearing these dudes from far away and ripping their heads off for me. And I'm just going to sit there and build a campfire. I don't even need, I won't even need matches to build a campfire. I'll be like Scorpion in between, in between. Yeah. I'm just going to sit there and be like, Hey, my man, Scorpion in between ripping these guys head off from long distance. Can you do me a favor and, and, and blow some of your uh, dragon breath on this fire so I can, um, uh, uh, make us some chicken, <laughs> some barbecue chicken. <laughs> so you're literally just that dude who's like, "Yo, finish him, F- finish, yeah, yeah. finish, finish him, and then finish, I mean, finish him." <laughs> yeah, because because I'm gonna use I'm gonna use my affinity for 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 grilling, and then my voice acting, and just hit him with the. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of the Beat Orb Podcast, folks. Woo. We'll catch you next time. Peace <laughs> and love. Powered by Righteous Media.